recording because I would suck if I was not recording. All right. Well, what is going on, everybody? It's your girl, Pamela, 2200 Taps. Hey, listen, we've had some good guests, incredible guests, some really wild guests. And uh, one of my guests, Carolyn Martin, actually introduced me to this lovely lady who is also a veteran. And I can't wait to introduce her here in a second. Uh, but that's what I love about this family, this this community of 2200 Taps supporters mission what have you now that the stories are rolling out on bigger platforms people are you're starting to kind of see the ripple effect of like man you're not alone you got to get on the show or hey you're not alone you got to listen to this episode or hey you would be a good fit for this podcast because they provide resources trustworthy resources and I got to tell you, I was doing a little background on this lady who is, like I said, she's a veteran. So she's a sister in arms. Um, I can't wait to dig in because I have just a little bit of the coolest thing that she recently did. And I have nothing of her background. So I want to dive in quickly. So with that, I want to introduce you to my next guest, uh, Miss Bliven Roman. How you doing, Bliven? I'm doing so awesome. Thanks for having me. Totally, totally. We're going to do the whole like, split screen editing, like cool love effect. it <laughs> hey well i uh thank you first of all carolyn thanks for getting us connected we love you and yes. man if y'all don't follow carolyn martin uh follow her i will put all the links everything that we talk about i will put them in the description below so weird saying that now because this is like pre and then i gotta do that in post so i better remember to do that <laughs> um but uh again Blivin, thank you so much for coming on today i appreciate you of course i love podcasts in general. You have an incredible podcast. I think it's a great opportunity to share such a familiar story that mm-hmm. people just don't speak about a lot, but they feel it themselves. So being able to have that platform that you provide is just a, it's a blessing to say the least. Thank you. It, uh, it's evolved into something pretty damn special and yeah. we're going to just keep going until we we can't anymore and even though we're going to find a way to keep going so yeah um but yeah i was i was blown away i want to talk about first um a little bit about your background just as far as like how many uh, you know where you served how long and then i want to roll right into the pinups for veterans and then i want to get into your story is that cool okay yeah that sounds great all right go for it Yeah. So to tell you about myself, um, I am a five-year army vet. I was a combat medic, healthcare specialist, a 68 whiskey, did a lot of cool things. I was stationed out of Fort Riley, Kansas, got the opportunity to deploy during the global war on terrorism. And kind of my claim to fame is I was the first female line medic for the unit that I deployed with, which was for me insane. Um, There were like hundreds of men and just little old me, and it was really hard to keep up with them. They couldn't stand me, but it was just just this glass-breaking experience for me. Um, After deployment, I came back home and um, got married, started my family, and that's when my mental health journey started, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, And it's actually the reason why I got out was to take care of myself, my needs, and to be the best mom, best wife, best human being that I could be um, possible. And um, I'm here today still serving, not active duty, but I'm serving our vets through raising or sharing my story of mental illness and letting our vets know that they're not alone and helping share some resources. Totally. And uh, I got to tell you, when I found out you were the first, because I did a little research, because uh, I like to do my homework, but you were the first uh, woman medic in that. In yeah, that, in that I mean, that, mm-hmm. I mean, I, so I, crazy. when I served, I was usually the only woman in a whole bunch of, I was an engineer. So a diesel mechanic, yeah. diesel mechanic, which is a male predominantly, which well, is the military in general, right? Yeah. But then it's like, well, now it's you. So spotlight's on you. So how are you going to show up? And it's so crazy because I learned very recently, I was talking to someone that I was online with and mm-hmm. he was a, he was a fister and he um, was like, yeah, we hated you. And I was like, go figure. Like, I know I'm not <laughs> dumb. I'm, here's this little girl who's like, really trying hard to keep up on wrecking and like these guys are being stripped of their masculinity because this female has to take care of them like i'm not silly like i know it wasn't easy for you it wasn't easy for me of course but 
it just felt so cool being the first of something, especially in 2013 when women weren't integrated into combat arms. And I just learned that they're getting their first um, combat arms NCOs at Fort Benning that are wow. female. And in it Fort is Benning? just at Fort Benning. Yeah. Wow. Fort Benning, Georgia. And see, it's wild. See, but that and I don't know why Betty White's coming to mind when you say that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. And uh, trust me, guys, stick with us because I'm not deviating too far. But Betty White was like a staple. Right. And she did. She was a first yeah. of many. She even served back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it takes women like her and you and some of us to break through those ceilings like you say right those glass ceilings where men aren't gonna like you or there's a stigma or there's this that and the other and okay we get it totally but it takes people like us or women out there to do that for more opportunities for women for your kids for my i mean for our girls for just I'm not going to get into politics about what's happening right now with women in sports, but you know where I'm yeah. talking about? And it's like, no, mm-hmm. we need to, we, it's like, you know, you would die for your country, but it's like, you know, I also would, I would put my ass Absolutely. in the line for you. Absolutely. And so, it's so crazy because you're willing to die for your country, but sometimes people aren't willing to like give you that opportunity. Do you know what I mean? It's like catch me too. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But with that, opportunities, isn't a cool little segue, pinups for vets. Yes. I had to do a little digging on them. I love, I love their mission. I love what they do. Can you, because you were a part of it here recently with Carolyn, can mm-hmm. you speak on what that was like for you real quick and what their mission is and just what, what that entails? Absolutely. So the mission of pinups for vets is to raise funds for our VA hospitals, which we all know really, really need funding. So Gina Elise, the founder, wanted to make a difference in the lives of our veterans. She's not a veteran, but she has veterans in her family. So she decided to make these calendars, these beautiful calendars featuring um, female veterans. Awesome. It's great. And it's a really good opportunity for us to feel beautiful. Um, But she makes these calendars. She sells them yearly. And the money that she raises goes directly to the VA programs um, to expand um, programs such as mental health, um, physical therapy. And also she gives equipment to the VA hospitals, something that's really awesome. She just donated um, equipment to the physical therapy unit at the Tampa VA, which is the unit that I go to pretty often. And so do all my other friends because physical therapy in the military is much needed, but it's just really awesome to see that full circle. Mm. But to tell you about my experience with pinups for vets, Mm. I wanted to do something related to vets. I'm a vet. And in about 2016, I found her and she kind of handed me this opportunity to apply to be a part of the calendar. But with things like school, building families, and then COVID happened, it had been years to where I couldn't apply. But last, just last year, I kind of was like, it's now or never. If I don't do this this year, I'm never going to do it. So just off of a whim, I applied knowing that I didn't have the funding to do that. I really didn't think I'd be able to fly out there, but I told myself I had to. Um, and I was invited to come shoot with all the other ladies. And I just had a really great opportunity. I have a girl tribe through pageantry and they paid for my stay, which made it so much easier. And they knew it's something I really wanted, but I get there and it was just to say a dream. It was a dream. is just like, it's over the top, but cause it was, I met 11 incredible women um, and it felt like, well, a sisterhood. Everyone knows you meet a veteran, you automatically click. And here are these incredible women with the same experiences as me. Um, And we got to share our stories and bond through that while being pampered, feeling like celebrities doing this shoot and then doing a full news segment that just went absolutely. I saw that. Yeah, it was insane. But it was just it was a great opportunity to feel like I was a part of something to feel important while making veterans feel important. So it's, 
I, I get like goosebumps and so jittery when I talk about it because it was a once in a lifetime experience and I got that. And it came out great, you guys. And I'll put a, oh, yeah. I'll put the link to the news footage and, and uh, if it still works, hopefully I'll put the link down below yeah. and <clears throat> you guys look great. You guys look fantastic. It looks really good. Loved it. And we got to choose our outfits, which was our favorite <laughs> part. And then the outfits were sponsored. So we got to bring the outfits home. I don't know when I'm ever going to wear that outfit again, but I tell you what, I have it and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Your husband might want, you know, to try do some test trials on that one. So we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you never know. It might come out sooner or later. Um, <laughs> but no, good job with that. It was fantastic. It was really, really special and sweet it to see that. It was so awesome. Well, I, uh, and like I said, I'll put their link below. So yeah. bravo, man. It's a great mission. And I love it. And you know what's crazy is they sold out so fast after <laughs> we did the NBC news segment and the founder texted me. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, that's the best thing to like have. That's the best problem to have. Make another but batch. <laughs> it was crazy. That's awesome. Well, cool. I, uh, we're, we're making really good progress. So I would like to really dive into your story. Okay. Let's go. So here's the good yeah. stuff. Right. And like I, like I tell my, my listeners, my guests, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I don't try to be, I'm not going to sit here and, and be like, I'm like, you know, you, I've got resources. No, it's, that's, mm-hmm. that's complete bullshit to be honest. With you. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't, I don't do that. I, I love it. I go to therapy when I can, yeah. uh, I believe in it. I'm not, Disclaimer, I'm not a therapist and I have to put that out there anyways. Yeah. I'm just, we just provide a safe place to share these stories. You know what I'm saying? And if at any point you or any guest doesn't feel safe, let us know and we'll, you know, we'll have further discussion on that, but we haven't ran into that. We're here almost 30 something episodes and I'm like, we're doing pretty damn good. So I I just want to open the floor to you. I know uh, Mission 22 uh, the yeah. organization in and itself you're an ambassador for, but mm-hmm. there's definitely a story there. And yeah, I'd love for you to kind of just give it, a, give us a background on what happened and ultimately <laughs> what made you choose life because that's what yeah, it's about. Right. Course. So yes, the floor's yours, my friend. Well, my mental health journey really, it starts well, right before deployment. Um, I knew I was going through something And I wanted to make sure that my mind was ready and my body was ready to deploy. And I was, and if you're in the military, you know, before you deploy, you'd go to, well, army goes to this place called SRP. They do a quick mental evaluation and they say, you're good to go. The person who did my mental evaluation was a provider that I had been working for, for a long, long time, fantastic provider. And he know, he knew my story. He knew a lot about me, my relationship and my family. And I really was just like, I don't know if I'm ready mentally to do this. So he said, well, you know what? Let's get you in before I check you off. Let's get you into mental health. Let's make sure you're good to go. Cause I don't want you going there and struggling. And that's what's supposed to be done. That's the perfect answer to one of those things. However, I had a NCO who had the ability to have that flag for mental health taken off. And instead of getting the opportunity to go be seen before deployment, some by magic, as we call it, she said, no, you're good to go. Go ahead, we're gonna deploy. Um, And I was just like, all right, let's do this. So I wasn't ready. And when I deployed, a lot of things are going on in the background. I was in this very, for me, very serious relationship and we're dealing with the distance. We're dealing with the well, kind of drama, honestly. My father was back in the U.S. and he was not doing so hot. Um, and that was a struggle for me. And just the adapting to that new environment, being in Africa, my family's not there. It was hard. I struggled with depression really bad. And I attempted. No one ever found out. No one ever knew. And it really was still a surprise to my family and to my husband for years. I Maybe four years ago, I was honest about that. Mm. I came back home um, and the unit I was in, I told you, um, one of the only females, right? I was the only line medic, but I had female NCOs um, and I was being bullied. And it sounds silly and childish to say I was being bullied as an adult, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. 
silly and childish, being bullied. And that really took a toll on me and I struggled. I came home, had that hard time time adapting to coming back to the US, didn't really know how to have an actual conversation with my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, because I'm so used to talking to the same people, usually military jargon. So I really didn't know how to talk to my husband. And that's where it really started to sink in that I was struggling and I never got the help for it. And it's because that environment that I was in made mental health sound like a taboo when, um, and being very honest, the unit I was in, if you were seeing behavioral health, it was more of an excuse to get out of something Mm -hmm. than being seen for treatment. It's, it was different. It's not like going to the clinic, um, for like an owie or something. It was just, you look like what we call a shit bag. Um, <laughs> yep. That was exactly really what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough. And I, I got pregnant. My husband and I decided to have a start to start a family and here comes these bullies again. And it's just like, what the hell? We're like 24. Well, let me back up real quick. Cause, yeah. um, like I said, we like to go deep, right? Yeah. What, what exactly were, what were you, if you can remember, what were you struggling with before your deployment? Yeah. I was struggling with a lot of depression, just feeling lonely. And like, I wasn't a part of a team that the army said it was going to be. I wasn't a part of this brotherhood, this sisterhood that I expected. I felt like the outcast in everything I did. I felt like I was constantly getting trouble. I had people watching everything that I did. Um, I could be talking to a male NCO and it was like, Ooh, that's a married man. Watch out. Like it was just so silly. And I was struggling just with this like constant feeling of I'm going to get my shit rocked for doing something normal. Mm -hmm. I was always on guard. So it was stuff like that, that I was struggling with. And just, I really didn't feel like I had somebody to rely on. And that's really important. So how are your NCOs or or those above you, your supervisors bullying you? What did that look like? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm asking because there's a story coming to mind that I went through. Of course. Okay. So So being one of the only females, it was when you're a female, and I'm just going to be straightforward mm-hmm. and you have males talking to you, people are going to think you're doing something wrong. You're doing something dirty. You're doing something sneaky. And that's the truth, especially if you have any like inkling of a past of having a relationship with somebody that is in your unit, they're going to crack down on you and they're going to make you feel really horrible. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly looked at as the barracks bunny or the slut of the unit. Or the morale gear. Yes. And it was so hard to be serious and be honest. And this specific NCO I had, um, it's easy to like give you ideas because she honestly was horrible to me. And I'm being honest. I'm not trying to paint her out as some fake, horrible NCO. It was the truth. Mm. She was tough on me. And um, it wasn't very nice. And my best friend that deployed with me was my best friend for a very, very long time. That, that ex, like that way that the NCO was acting started to rub off on her. And it was just like, what the hell is going on? I even had just people would be like, be careful with what you say around her. Be careful who you hang out around her because behind your back, she's saying things. And it was just like, <laughs> what's happening? this is high school or is this the United States army? Like, let's get to it. So you couldn't trust anybody, let alone your, your best friend. And and, and guys, this isn't a bashing session. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, we don't, I don't want to bash people. Yeah. Uh, This is just honest. It's just, this is your story, you know? Yeah. Um, But the thing is, you're also talking about a lot of stuff that we, that doesn't get highlighted by the media, if you will. Like yeah. there's so much chaos when you're active duty. It's like, dude, you know, and there's really good things that come out of it. And there's really crappy things that come out of it. And in between, yes. it's like you have to fit in somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I get I get what you're saying. I can put this pin down before I put my out. I get what <laughs> you're saying because I'm like, I'm getting fired up because just because 
I'm getting yeah. fired up, man. Cause there's... And you know what's crazy is there's yeah. so many people who experience the same thing. Yeah. You can't say anything like this when you're in the military, though. Why can't you? It, Tell me that real quick. Because the fear of being like getting in trouble for it, that fear of if I call this person out or if I say something to this person, mm -hmm. to any other NCO, it'll come back around and bite me in the ass. And it's happened to me. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's that fear of reporting yeah. sec, um, sexual harassment, sexual assault, the fear of reporting someone doing something wrong. Yo, I'm getting goosebumps. It's, it's just the truth. And people don't want to talk about it. But guess what? I'm not in the military anymore. So I'm going to be honest. I'm going to talk about it because there's another person out there who has experienced the same thing that mm -hmm. I'm experiencing. And they feel so lonely the way I felt lonely. And that's you the, and the same. Yeah, I, I do know. And that's the <laughs> same that that goes for mental health as well. Oh, yeah. Mental health. We're barely scratching the surface, guys. Um, yeah. Let me ask you, let me. Okay, so you're in a crappy place. You ask uh -huh. for help. Mm -hmm. You're like, I, and it, that was kind of, that takes, that's kind of brave if you think about it. When you're about to deploy, you're like, I don't know if I'm ready to deploy. Might need you to evaluate me. And I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm struggling. You know, that right there takes guts, especially when you're active duty. Mm -hmm. And then you still get deployed because of whatever something happened, the magic. <laughs> and then you you deploy and then you're, you you experience mistreatment. You experience a lot of bullying, which I get. But then you can't talk to anybody. You can't trust anybody. So in kicks in your depression, in kicks in your mental health, in you know, kicks in your attempt. Mm -hmm. May I ask what you did when you attempted? Yes, absolutely. Because it sounds for me, it was the hardest thing to talk about at first because it was such a silly mistake. I wanted to take as much melatonin as I could to put myself to sleep mm -hmm. forever. And here's the thing that I didn't know. And I should have known because I was a medic. Melatonin will not kill you at the way that I took it. Mm. I popped a whole pack of melatonin and I slept. And I remember waking up that morning and saying, fuck, <laughs> like this didn't work. Didn't even do that right. Um, and that's, that's just, I mean, that's the hard part is trying to commit and then you wake up and you're like, God damn it. Like I have to live another day with this. Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, it was hard for me to tell that story for a long time because in my mind, I always would say I was so stupid. I mean, I was stupid for attempting, but I was like, I'm so stupid because it didn't work. And that's so embarrassing, but. I mean, but that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, we had a guy in basic, he hung himself. Thankfully mm, yeah. he lived, but he was in rough shape and we had another guy take an entire box of Sudafed. Oh, so yeah. let me, it's so weird, man. It's like, and, and I'm not trying to put ideas in anybody's heads. It's not what it's about. Yeah. But you start, you start looking at the way people have done it or just how bad you were hurting. Yeah. You will find any and every way to do it, but yeah. we don't want you to people. That's not what mm -hmm. we need you to stick around. But I want to really hit on that, right? So you hit yeah. your, your dark place. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine there's a lot more to the story, just kind of building up around like your childhood and what have you. There's so much there. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. When you felt like you needed to get help, did you reach out for it when you're active duty? The second time, because that was my first of two attempts. The second time I did. But it was kind of one of those things where it's like, it was a little too late. Um, I made the mental health appointment and they were like, okay, you'll come in on a, gosh, I can't remember what day it was. I think it was a Friday or Thursday or Friday. Um, it was definitely the 16th, but on the 15th, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and my husband was home, his grandmother was home and my three-month-year-old daughter or three-month-year-old. Oh my gosh. Three-month-old daughter was home. And, um, I was just like, I can't do this. And I attempted to hang myself in my closet, but that bar was rotating. I couldn't get a good grip on it. Sorry to be so honest. Um, don't apologize. And I remember hearing my husband come walking upstairs. I was like, Oh shit. And I, and I stopped and I remember I didn't tell him and I called my friend or I texted her and I said, Melissa, I'm going to Baver Health 
behavioral health in the morning because I'm about to deploy again. I'm not ready. Um, I need to go to behavioral health. She said, are you okay? And I was like, lie, I'm fine. She said, do you want to talk? And I was like, lie, nope. Um, and that's kind of how it was. I wanted help. I so desperately wanted the help. And asking for the help, I did. It wasn't that I wanted to die necessarily. I didn't want to live, if that makes sense. <clears throat> Not really. <laughs> but no. Well, I wanted to kind of back up um, right. before it's like wanting to leave my brain and I don't want to, I don't want to do that. What, what were you afraid of? What were you so afraid of that you, you lied and you're like, I'm good. I'm good. But you wanted help so bad. What were you afraid I of? I was afraid that she would have called 911. And now here's this ambulance coming for me. And it was still a secret to everyone in my house that I was struggling with depression. And if she called 911, it was just like my husband would be like, why are they here? And it would, it would have just been like a very like obvious thing is going on. And I didn't want her to, to call. And there had been times where my husband was like, after the fact where I was still struggling, my husband was like, we got to go. And I was like, please, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Like, let's just like sit it, sit through it. Like it'll get easier. Like I'll get over this feeling tonight. Um, I just didn't want the horse and pony show of people making it very obvious. So how is that working for you? Today? No, before. It wasn't. I mean, it really, it sucked, to be honest. And I struggled with suicide for months, months and months. It was at the point where my husband, I didn't text him back for two hours and he panicked. He came to my work and was like, and we used to work together and he came to the conference room. He was like, Hey, can you guys get out? And everyone got out and he closed the door. And he was like, I can't do this. He was like, I love you, but I can't do this. So we're going to have to talk about you getting out. I'm not, he was like, I'm not comfortable with not hearing from you for like 30 minutes, because I don't know if I'm going to show up at home for lunch and you're dead. And that was the truth. And that was the life I was living hmm. just constantly. Like I was constantly thinking about death. I was constantly um, thinking about different ways to take my life. And it was just really upsetting. And it was almost to the point where I was ruining my husband's life. Hmm. And um, we had to just come up with for me, the easiest way to heal. And that was for me to get out of the environment that was making this like so hard for me. So you didn't, you did, did you feel safe enough to go to your command and be like, I need to get help? No. Okay. And well, my command was deployed. Okay. And, um, you know, I had two of the greatest friends who were reared with me my best friend, um, Melissa, and one of the closest male friends I've ever had, um, Kaiser. And we were just buddies. And the way they treated me when they found out I attempted was nothing different. And it was the best feeling that they didn't judge me. They were there for me and they want to make sure people didn't ask questions. But, you know, I'm glad you brought up the command because I was thinking about it while I was getting ready this morning. Um, it killed me to know that my first aunt did not call or check up on me, ask questions about me. Um, because my first aunt was somebody I looked up to somebody that I would consider, I mean, a professional father figure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, totally. Someone I really admired and to know that he did not like, didn't even like have the balls to say, how are you doing? Completely it just destroyed me. I was like, how could you not? My my top commander, like my battalion commander did check up on me. Not personally, but he had asked people how I was doing. But they just kind of, it felt like no one gave a shit, to be honest. Well, because we don't talk about it. I know, yeah. I don't, 2013, I was still in, but I was a reservist at that point. Yeah. I did nine active, two reserves. But when I was active duty, I enlisted in 03, back mm -hmm. in what we call the old guard. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you just didn't talk about like 
I remember giving, they gave me a toothbrush to clean an engine valve cover one time when I was like a little E3 and I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, but I like, you just, you sucked it up. You did what you had to do. And guess what? If you're struggling, it was like, yeah, you can go ask for help, but you might not have a job tomorrow. There was that stigma and. Absolutely. And we'll get to that here in a minute because I got a little something I'd like to uh, send you. Uh, our short film that we created, Damned If I Do, about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you, man, like, I'm so, like, ugh. Like, I want to get in front of a freaking command. I want to get in front of whoever up in D.C. and be like, listen, mother truckers, like, you have got to give us a safe place to be able to deal with this shit. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to keep Thank losing you. people. I've always, I I speak to... Excuse my dog. She's crazy. But I speak to a lot of people, um, especially military people. I've always wanted to speak to leaders, NCOs, commanders about my experience and what I think could have gone better in my experience. And maybe they can take away from that and um, apply that to maybe their soldiers. But it's you also have to think if I brought this story to a command, what would they think of me? What would they be like? She's being honest and open, or is she just another ship bag that wants to like make it easier for the ship bags? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what's hard about it. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But someone has to do something. Oh you know? my God. You're hitting on this. You're hit- <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah, because that was my life. I completely get it. Yeah. That's why we named it Damned If I Do. Cause it's like, oh really? That's, an, that's the name <laughs> of the short film. Damned if I do. Yeah, that's so crazy. Uh, I'll send it to you here, but not to get okay. too far off your story. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna rein it in a little bit. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you couldn't. You're all right. So where were we? Da-da-da-da-da. Your father figure. Your your professional father yeah. figure. So you're at mm-hmm. that point. So let's get back to when your husband talked to you about everything. Basically, gave you an ultimatum. If you're showing up at work and was like, yo, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Was that your pivot point? Was that when you chose to do something different? Yes, it was. And that something different was leaving everything that I knew for the past five years. I grew up in a military family. Military was my whole life. And to know that I was going to leave the military for good was, it was hard for me because I knew nothing but it. But I knew if I stayed in that environment, it wouldn't get better. And I did the process to get out. And I can honestly say it was the best decision for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, doesn't mean it made life easier immediately, but it let me, it gave me that focal point of like highlighting what's important in my life other than the military, you know? Mm-hmm. There were so many goals and dreams and aspirations that I had before the military, going to nursing school, being a great mom, um, pageantry was one of them. I didn't, I couldn't do those things while I was in the military it, the, or the military made it really hard to do those things. So I got out and I said, well, those dreams that I used to have, um, I'm at a better state and I want to make those dreams possible. And I'm going to do whatever I can to not give up on those and teach other veterans struggling with mental illness teach my children by leading by example, being that role model, showing them that things are possible when living with mental illness. But getting out was just, I can't imagine what would have happened if I would have stayed in. So have you gotten the help you needed to get you right? Yes and no. And here's the thing. Um, And I'm going to be honest, I don't want to crush the VA healthcare system. I will. <laughs> okay. Well, let's be honest. They have not really done much for me. I went to the Omaha VA and I wasn't at my worst, but I knew I needed help. Yeah. And I was, my provider was a no show, no call for me. I sat there for three hours waiting for this provider because a lot of people know you won't go, you won't go to a provider. But the second that you decide to make that appointment and commit, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's always been for me. And that person was a no-show. And it took everything to get a hold of that person, 
And I think it was two weeks later, I finally called them. They finally answered. They were like, oh, I was about to call you. I was like, no, bitch, you were not. (laughs) And that was that moment where I was like, this is why people are killing themselves. And people don't get the treatment that they need. God forbid I was someone who was suicidal. What would have happened? Mm -hmm. The same thing that has happened to hundreds and hundreds of our brothers and sisters in VA parking lots. Mm -hmm. Of all in the hospital where you're supposed to feel safe, where you're supposed to get the help, but they don't give it to you. But yeah, our brothers and sisters aren't getting the help that they need and they're taking their lives. But I, when I moved, I thought maybe I had a better opportunity here in Florida to get the help that I needed. And it wasn't serious. It was just, I wanted to do the right thing for me mm-hmm. and it's have those monthly mental health appointments. But what you don't, what people don't realize is um, sometimes it can be traumatic to do a startup appointment. You're giving them your whole life story. You're talking about each and every single trauma you've ever experienced. And that's not easy for me. Doing that startup appointment is traumatic. And the reason why I bring this up is because I've had three different providers within a span of six months. Um, and the, I was saying before, and the reason why I felt so um, adamant about getting these appointments is because my close friend took his life and I, it just, my, I felt like my world was rocked. And the reason is I saw his, I noticed that he liked something on my Instagram profile. And I told myself, you know, I haven't talked to this person in years. Um, but I don't know if I should reach out and say, Hey, how's it going? Cause I like, I liked him at a point in time and I was like, mm, is that appropriate to just reach out and say, Hey, and then a week later he took his life. And in my mind, and some people go through this and it doesn't mean it's the reason, but I was like, if I could have just said, Hey, how's it going? And he would have opened up would the same thing have happened. And I took it so hard because I've been an advocate for six years for mental health. I preach and preach and preach, like say, hey, to your funny friends, check on the funny guy, check on the people you haven't heard. And I felt like I let somebody down and that was tough. And I couldn't live with that. It didn't mean I was contemplating or anything. It just meant I needed help because I couldn't get through that. Mm -hmm. So I took these appointments and I was switched providers three times. To go through your story three separate times, mm. I was done. I haven't seen a provider since because I just couldn't. I didn't have the heart to talk about what I had been through. It was traumatic. And it just leaves you on this, like, this sinking feeling for days after the appointment. And I just didn't want to do that again. And I'm at the point where, you know, I can be honest. I should see a mental health provider. It's been a year. Yeah. I need a good sit down, talk about the things I've gone through, the stressors of nursing school, um, still adapting to this civilian life. It's, it's still hard, like, and it's good to see a provider, but I don't want to at this point because I don't want to tell my story all over again. And that's the hardest part of making that commitment saying, I'm going to make, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to tell my story. This is like the last time I'm going to have to do that, do that. Right. But is it? I don't want to have to do this again. But what so, if, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean cut you off. But there's so many people who experience the same thing and they're not getting the help because of the switch of providers and just yeah. not enough providers. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> I, I will tell you this. Um, <clears throat> I just real quick, I went to the VA and mm-hmm. there are some good things about the VA. I'm not going to, no. you know, it's not all bad. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the bad stuff covers all that up. Um, I've seen a lot more bad than good, but Hey, I'll give them props. They do have some good stuff. Um, my mental health provider, they outsourced. So I got to see a civilian provider and it was like, yeah. And it was like, thank you. And I called same thing, right? You cultivate that relationship. And then January 1st of 2021, she got dropped because the VA apparently updated some paperwork that kicked her out of network. That's horrible. So here's the shitty part, and we'll get back to your story. But I want people to know this. I go to make an appointment. She's like, hey, I'm not in your network anymore. Uh, The VA needs to update some paperwork because they did something. 
all right, I call the VA. They're like, well, you need to tell your healthcare. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not playing the middle guy here. You need to call. Y'all need to talk to each other. So for months, five, six months, it was like this, like, you needed to, I was just like a shit show. In the meantime, I'm not getting help. Yeah. <clears throat> and then come to find out recently when I went to my, my PCP, she's like, mental health, they said you don't need it anymore because you haven't been going. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you guys, y'all did this. Like, what are you talking about? Because I, really? I really, yeah, I really like my therapist, believe it or not. And yeah. you get so deep with this person, you you have this trust. And it's like, man, now I, I don't have to talk about my story all over again, because we've already gotten past that. Now we're yeah. getting, you know, deeper into the onion. So that was my experience. And I'm like, well, shit, where do I go? And oh, worst, I know, too. so I have to go back. But with that, I, I say that because I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. It's, I, 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 I'm to the point where I can share my story like a freaking chatty Cathy, if you will. But it yeah. took a long, <laughs> long time to get there. Yeah. So I would just encourage you to keep, keep up and, and, and yeah. do what you got to do that, you know, you need to do when you're ready. Uh-huh. Such it's the hardest part. It's the hardest part. I've been sitting on this forever and I'm just like, oh, do I want to go through this again? And I know it'll be well worth it. Trust me. I know it'd be well worth it, but it's just the same thing other people feel is, right. are they going to let me down again? So, yeah. So what would you tell your best friend if she, ha- if she came to you saying this very same thing, what would you tell oh her? Gosh. You know, I'd be like, just do it. Like, it's just once, just do it. Just do it. And you know, my husband has been like, Liv, it's not that hard. Like you've got this, like you're strong. You can talk to hundreds and thousands of people about your story. You can do this. Like you have conquered so much in your life. Yeah. You can overcome just 45 minutes. You can do it. You can do it. But then there's that little voice that's like, I don't want to do it. I'm so nervous. I'm so scared. And that's the hardest part about it. It's just getting over that fear of what other, like the other things that have happened, you know? Yeah, I get it. We'll I, do it. I'm, I'm, I'll do it. I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I'd like, I'd like for you to follow up with us and let I us will. know just like, Hey, I did it or I've got it scheduled or just do something. I know, right? Like we'll do it right now. We'll put it on the calendar. I should practice what I preach really. <laughs> well, I get it. And we're all, and guys, we all do it. We all freaking do it. And anybody that says that they don't, they're lying. Yeah. yeah they're lying. So thank that that thank you for saying that. Cause I don't oh, think that's I don't that's a humble pie right there. That's a big piece of humble pie. It yeah, it is. It's hard to admit that, especially when you're somebody and people are like, Wow, she like look at her. She's a mental health hero. She does all these things. People yeah. say all these nice things about me and little do they know. Yeah. I mean, they know, but you know, what you just, but you know what you just did? Hmm. You took off that mask. True. Yeah. And it's not saying, I'm not saying that you wear a mask all day, every day. I'm not, but when you're, you're in the spotlight and people see you, it's easy to be like, Hey, look at me. I do this. You should do that. And then it's like, well, shit, what about me? So that's true. that was pretty damn vulnerable. What you just did. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got to give you credit. You know, I mean, I want to celebrate these little victories because it's not easy. Hmm. It's not easy. It's not. So that was really hard to be honest about too, because (laughs) let me tell you, I trying to make a mental health appointment for me is like, it has, it's like pulling out teeth. Yeah. Let's be real. It's pulling out teeth. My husband is like begging me to like, just go get seen. And it's not like I'm at a place where I'm just like, I'm struggling so bad. Taking time for your mental health is the best thing that you can do Mm -hmm. for your mind. Going seeing a therapist is it's the icing on the cake. There's nothing better than doing that, even if it means like having to get through this hard stuff. But mm-hmm. I've, like my husband's been dying for me to do that. And I'm just like, oh, it's like exercise, you know, like Taya, we were fortunate to have Taya Kyle on a while back. And yes. she said, you know, Watched it last week. Yeah. <laughs> she her story. I mean, everybody knows her husband's story and, and her. And I was like, what can I ask her that hasn't already been asked? And uh, she said something that resonated, basically saying, you know, with the military, they train us to be physically ready. Get up, do PT, whatever have you. You have all this fitness tests. Like, you have to be physically ready to rock. 
She's mm-hmm. like, if we do that, you know, why, if, if they can do that for your physical health, why can't they do that for your mental health? Exactly. And, I was like, and you know, the, yes, the programs that they have and they, they, tr- they try, they have resilience training. I think we do every six months, but mm-hmm. they, they shoot this PowerPoint to us and we are sitting there death by PowerPoint, death by PowerPoint for yeah. maybe like if you're in for four years, this is the eighth time you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Like it's nothing new and it's not serious. We don't in the military, we don't take mental health as serious as, as serious as it needs to be. And that's the truth. They'll make sure you pass height and weight for sure. Mm-hmm. But will they make sure that you can pass like a mental health appointment? No, they're not worried about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm proof that they're not worried about it. They did it to me, but they were so worried about, am I making height and weight? Mm-hmm. Let's like, as an organization, let's do better army. Let's do better. Everybody, everybody. And yeah. like I told a buddy of mine, Dan Lombardo with one tribe, he, I was like, dude, what about these guys with top secret clearances who can't talk about their stuff with a normal Absolutely. provider? They can't do it. What do we do? And he, he basically said it, it has to start from the top. It has mm-hmm. got to start from the top. And there's just so much around that. So the I think we can all agree that there is a problem. But I will say since 2003, I'm kind of aging myself. God, I would have hit 19 <laughs> years. Next month would have been 19 years I'd been enlisted. Holy crap. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> um, awesome. I was in like, I think the fourth grade or something. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but I will say that it has gotten better, uh, you know, because unfortunately, because we are losing 22 a day and more, probably mm-hmm. more than likely more because this pandemic yeah. and all this other crap, not just with veterans, but first responders, our frontline medical workers, our civilians, yeah. our kids, our children, oh, you know, yeah, they're struggling. Yeah. It's like. Uh, it's it the 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 want to have a like a quote-unquote normal conversation it's mm-hmm. like hey how you feeling man i'm not good really yeah i mean i've been thinking about suicide that is weird to a lot of people that's not normal yes. quote-unquote normal the absolute the goal is to get those types of conversations yeah. to that normal you are speaking out of my book <laughs> that's what i always say and when people ask you know in pageantry, I talk about mental illness, yeah. but pageantry is like that weird world where saying the word mental illness has that negative connotation. And my husband, we, we go through these interview questions. We do interview and he's like, maybe don't say mental illness. And like, my heart was like on fire. I was like, no, I'm going to say mental illness, whether they like it or not, because we need to erase that negative connotation, that stigma by behind the word mental illness. It's ridiculous. That makes people feel weird. But the more I always say, the more that you talk about it, the more that you're open about it, that's when things change. Mm -hmm. And depression within the last 10 years, talking about depression has been easier. I remember bringing up depression to my mother. Um, My mother is just the sweetest person in the world. Um, But she is from that generation. You bring up depression. She's like, you're not depressed. You just need to pray. (laughs) Like, And that's how she was for a long time. But now I bring up depression to my mom and it's been 10 years. And she was like, you know, I know that you have it. And I've struggled with it too. And I'm like, what, who is this woman? But like the world has gotten easier and more adapted to talking about depression in general. But why can't we do that about suicide? Mm -hmm. It's a huge issue. We got to talk about it to end it. You know? Yeah, the whole like, and there's another, there's so many stigmas around it. And, and it's like, man, if your brother, your sister, your family member, it's like if they committed, then all, all of a sudden your outcast is a family. And there's all this like imagery bullshit, if you will, around it. And it's like, bro, I don't care about your image. Yeah. I care if you're hurting or not. Yeah. Because if you stuff it and you don't want to talk about it, like how can you honor their legacy even though they chose to do it? And I used to think it was a very selfish act. I used to think it. I'm like, that's selfish. I used to mm-hmm. until it was me. And yeah, at the end exactly. of the at the end of the day, it's like <clears throat> you just want the pain to stop. Absolutely. You, you don't question who loves you. I mean, there's all this like you want help but you push people away. You want help mm-hmm. but you keep pushing people away. It's like one of these, right? Mm-hmm. And you just want the pain to stop. Absolutely. Um, so 
I'm going to get off my soapbox. I don't know where I, go. I was going with that. All I know is like <laughs> it, the topic for discussion about that is getting better. And I'm so mm -hmm. happy about that. But we got to keep pushing because we're nowhere near cracking that egg. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but um, I will tell you this. What a, where are you at now with everything, though? I know we, we just talked about how, you know, you're you were seeing a provider, but now you're you're not. And that yeah. limbo mode, which yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that. So what are your goals for this next year? Let's say around that more in particular. I mean, I have big goals in general. Um, I'm a goal-driven person. I have, it's not in front of me, but I have this silly book. Maybe this is it. Yep. This Britney Spears book. Yeah. Okay. It's my favorite book. I don't write work. anything in it. You better work. And it has my goals for this year. And I wrote down three huge goals. I'm not going to share all of them because okay. I'm super, super secretive. Got it. Um, and my family would just like lose their minds if they knew it. Um, but I, I put down these goals and when I think about, and I look at these goals, I remember, it reminds me that I need to make sure that I'm healthy all around to achieve these goals. Um, as far as my mental health goals for this year is there's a lot of, I struggle with, um, lack of self-care. I'm always thinking about the people around me, mm -hmm. especially as somebody in the healthcare field, I'm finishing up nursing school. I'm constantly thinking about the people I care for. I'm constantly thinking about my family, my daughters. Are they, do they know that they're loved? Do they know that they're appreciated? Is my oldest getting the time that she needs to make sure she's studying? Um, is my husband happy? My husband's been through a lot this past year. Mm -hmm. What am I doing to ensure that his mental health is up. And that was a huge thing for me. If we can backtrack a little bit, sure. my husband went through a little bit of a traumatic year. He lost his father. Um, and that was really, really hard for everybody. And my husband is my mental health rock. He is the reason why I'm here today. He's the reason why when I am in desperate need of help, I absolutely get it because my husband has been just that backbone for me. And now my husband's going through something and I have to be the backbone from him. Like, hmm. what the hell? Like you're my backbone. Like it's just <laughs> one of those moments. So I'm constantly thinking, am I being the best wife I can be? Am I telling him you can do this? Um, am I ensuring that he's getting the attention that he needs to get better? Um, but that goes back to where's the time for self-care for me mm -hmm. this year. I want to make sure I'm caring for myself more. I want to make sure that I'm taking that time out of the day to reflect, um, to make sure that I'm being easy on myself, not being so self-critical. Yeah. Um, and definitely I have, I mean, every year I struggle. Um, there's always that time where we call it our live day. Um, like our rebirth day. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, that's kind of the anniversary of your suicide attempt. And that day, you know, it's been easier for me as years go by, but it doesn't mean that I don't think about it. I think last year I completely forgot about it. And I was like, wow, I survived this day. Um, but that's usually my darkest point of the year is November, like November 15th, 16th. Um, and that's really hard, especially when it's so close to the holidays. Yeah. But being able to this year, I want to get through that again and act like it's just not another day. Like it's just another day. It's not something, but the, my mental health goals are just so important to me. Good. And I just want to get stronger and stronger so I can be the person that, um, that makes the difference, be that role model for others, um, practice what I preach this year, you know? Um, but yeah, I'd say you're practicing what you're preaching. <clears throat> I, I think you are. I think so, um, but there's that big, um, there's that big thing is I'm always like, you need help reach out. Not saying I, I absolutely need help. Um, but I, I'm a person that lives with mental illness and it's important. Yeah. It's very important for me to go get the help that I need have that checkup. So I do it in different ways, mm -hmm. but I think for me personally, I need, I should go see a therapist like everyone, like everyone should. But like I said, just that experience of not getting the help that I needed yeah. is really, really making me not want to go, but you know, 
there's other ways to find that light, find that help mm-hmm. um, through different resources or knowing what your coping mechanisms are, knowing what makes you happy, what like sparks joy in you, as Marie Kondo would say. But yeah, I'd say it's more about maintenance. You know, oh. it's you know, you go to therapy, it's like, oh, I'm effed up. I'm the, no, dude, you just it's just mm-hmm. main, You if you do maintenance on your vehicle. Why can't you do maintenance Absolutely. on you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you do an oil change, pump some good gas, do this, get a little tune-up. You do the once-year physical appointment for yeah. the VA in our annuals. We got to do yeah, some type fun. of mental health. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are fun. Ugh. My knee hurts another year. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just had mine. We're good. No, but I, and I, I agree. And I'm in the same boat. You know, I'm like, man, we've got this platform. We've got big things in store for this year. And people may see me as the face of whatever, you know, hopefully it's good. If it's bad, I, whatever, I can't control that. But it's more of like, you know, I had a panic attack a few months ago and I remember I'd had one like that in a very long time. And I oh. have my resources. I, mm-hmm. I had a, a good friend right across the hall. I, like I was surrounded by help and I was like I don't want it it was like I tried to go take some steps and then I was like "Uh," go back and breathe it was so weird and yet here we are we have all these amazing resources so it's hard but it's you know it's not it's not a death sentence you know yes Absolutely. It's not. And that's what um, I think one of the biggest things I like to show people is that um, living with mental illness, surviving a suicide attempt um, in what I do now, I, my goal in life is just to show people that mental illness doesn't have to put a damper on your life. Hmm. doesn't have to put a damper on your goals, on your career. One thing that I heard a lot um, from people who were the older generation was that having mental illness somewhere in my medical records will stop me from having a good career, stop me from being a nurse. How can you be a nurse if you have depression? Well, I do it. I mean, and guess what? That just means I have to get the extra attention. I'm not at the point where I need the extra attention. I'm still at the end of nursing school, but I can see where a nurse would need the attention, especially with COVID. Um, you can f- live a happy, fulfilled life living with mental illness because I do. Mm-hmm. And I want people to see that too. Just because this is a part of your life doesn't mean your life is over. Right. There's so much you can do and it's beautiful on the other side. Have you, have you ever heard of the term Kintsugi? Nope. I think I'm saying that right. Kintsugi, it's a, it's a Japanese practice. I, I'm pretty sure of it where they'll take a broken piece of like vase and then mm-hmm. they'll put it back together with gold. Mm-hmm. They put it back together to show that although it was once broken, now it's even more beautiful. It, I it, love It means that. more, it has, it has more value, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. It's Kintsugi. And I may have just butchered the entire definition, but you get where I'm going with that, right? I got it. And, uh, um, <clears throat> You know, I, I like to tell people I'm not broken. I'm mended. Yeah. I, I really yeah. am. And it's, it's, I ain't perfect. And I, I am, I, I am perfectly imperfect. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And what you see is what you get. And, and I hope, I hope people see that in you and believe in your mission just as much as I believe in your fight. Cause we're all in this together. Um, yeah. And I saw that you are an ambassador for Mission 22. I am. Yeah, I've been an ambassador since, oh gosh, hmm, maybe 2017-ish. Mm-hmm. I love Mission 22. Mission 22 is incredible. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, there's more than just me who finds this important. Mm-hmm. And I have I feel like I've done so many awesome things through that um, nonprofit and I got to meet so many incredible people. And my favorite part is Florida is big with Mission 22. Sometimes I'll drive around and I'll see Jeeps that have like the Mission 22 logo. And I'm like, ah, really? go, 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 go. yeah. And they're like, who the hell is this girl? And I'm like, hey, I'm in Mission 22 as well. And they're like, okay, creep. <laughs> I get excited because it's really just, it's an army in itself of 
loving, wonderful people who want to make a difference in the lives of veterans. And mm. one thing is people, um, they have this kind of like um, exhibit, if you will, but it's of these iron silhouettes and they're, there's, um, they're all over the United States and they're usually in places um, where that particular person is from. And they're all silhouettes of people who have taken their lives. Mm. And there's 22 of them. And one of them happened to be in Omaha. And I had the opportunity to go see Mission 20's, Mission 20's work in like, in like living color. It was the most incredible and honestly tear jerking moment that I've had in a long time, because it was just like, wow, this is a human who is gone. But like, look at how much this organization organization has done. Yeah. And we just had just the incredible opportunity to have one so close to me. It was just really cool. Mission 22 is really saving lives, providing free resources, free supplements. Ugh, I could talk about them all day. It's they're incredible. Uh, well, I will definitely put their link down below in the comments yeah, as well. They're wonderful. We'll totally do that. And uh, maybe we can get them on the show down the road. Yeah. They would love that. Well, maybe you, if, <laughs> you, if, if you get that set up, maybe I can get you and one of their reps on for the for a podcast. Yeah, I can totally do that. They would love that. There's so much to Mission 22 that is just lying deep down in there. Mm. There's so many resources that they can point you out to. Um, equine therapy or equestrian therapy. Mm. I can't even say it. The horse therapy. <laughs> they have people who will do they will train a service animal for you. That's awesome. um, just amazing resources that veterans otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to find if it wasn't yeah. just presented to them. So just, it's incredible. I can talk about that. I love day. that. <laughs> See, I'm in, I'm in DFW and we have a huge amount of amazing nonprofits for veterans and yes. first responders in such a wonderful place to be as a veteran yeah. DFW. Yes. So many friends are out there. Well, Texas kind of rules when it comes to loving on their vets. Trust yeah. me. I'm yeah. originally from New Braunfels, Texas. Oh, there you go. Yeah. They love their vets. Yeah, they do. And, uh, I got to be honest with you. I'm not a fan of Florida, but I think I like Florida now that I've interviewed you a little bit. You know, Maybe like 1%. Yeah. I have like a love-hate <laughs> relationship with Florida. Um, I was actually born and raised in like Hawaii. So this is as close to getting to Hawaii as I can without paying a ton of money to live there. Um, but they, we love our veterans here too. We have the awesome. third largest veteran population and it's really... They, open arms when it comes to vets. Awesome. That's good to know. Yeah. Okay. So maybe instead of 1%, maybe it's not a 2% that I like Florida. It's not too bad. I don't know. Maybe. We know the reasons why it's pretty <laughs> tough, but <laughs> you, if you just kind of blind eye that, yeah. everything else is great. <laughs> Pretend oh, it never happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, beloved, I got to tell you, thank you so much. So very much for being on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And if your listeners can take anything out of this, um, I hope that they take just this one thing that I tell everybody is find that light, no matter what it is, find something to be grateful for in your day. Even if it means like you got two seconds of quiet in your closet while you were getting dressed this morning, you had your cup of morning coffee because having that gratitude for something it builds and builds and builds and it grows and you'll find that light. You just got to push through it and be open and honest with yourself. So find it because you and I have found it. And I mean, look where you are. You have this incredible podcast, Thank some you. fantastic people. And I feel like I'm the best person that I have ever been. And I'm so proud of me today and people, other people can do that too. So I like that. I like that a lot. And you, you definitely practiced what you preach being, being open <laughs> and being open and honest. So, yeah. um, thank you for being very gut level, honest about where you're at right now. And I love it. I, I love, I, I freaking love that. Yeah. If, well, if it means saving lives, changing the world, I'll do anything to make living with mental illness easy for anybody yeah, because it was tough on me. <laughs> You're making me cry over here, damn it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't, I'm not allowed to cry because I have bottom mascara on today. So it's unacceptable for me. <laughs> it's always acceptable. Just get the waterproof. You adapt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, seriously though. Like that's the thing. It's, it's, it's giving people that safe place 
And I always yeah. say that, but like, what does that look like? Well, here, this is what it looks like. This is what a safe place yeah. looks like. It's like, yeah, we look like we have our shit together, but we really don't. But we're not afraid yeah. to talk about it. And we're not afraid to love you where you're at and in, in, yeah. in a safe place, a non-judgmental place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The joke in pageantry is everyone wants a world peace, but there's nothing I want more than like for people, people to have that inner peace within themselves. So, I mean, saying world peace isn't wrong as a pageantry question, but I, I don't know. I just, I feel like my, if I gave out the, if other people gave out the energy that I did when I needed it, Mm -hmm. boy, that would have been so much easier. And now I have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And that's all I want to do is make life easier for those experience the same things as me. As me. I love it. Well, stick with us. I'm not going to get off with you just yet, but I'm going to get off with my listeners. Cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again for so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Cool. Well, all right, guys. Well, there you have it. That was Miss Bliven Roman. And like I said, if y'all like what y'all are hearing, subscribe, like, hit the bell notification. I guess that's like a thing or something for YouTube. I don't know. But apparently that that's like a good thing. So if y'all can make good things happen for us, that'd be amazing. But y'all stay tuned because these stories are getting deeper and deeper and the resources are getting better and better. And we can't do this without you. So with that, I love you guys. Subscribe. Check out the links below. And we will talk to you later. Bye.